Microphone check. One, two. CC. Hello and welcome at CC. Hello and welcome at one, two, three, four, five, six. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. There we go. Rolling. The power of your mind is your greatest asset. Knowing and believing in yourself and your film is paramount to funding and finishing your film. It's a day-to-day proposition. Hello and welcome to The Documentary Life, a show that sets out to inspire and inform you on how to best live and lead your own documentary life. I am your host, Chris G. Parkhurst, and this is episode number 69. And it is brought to you by Barong Films, proud creators of Documentary Film, the Documentary Life Podcast, and the Documentary Academy, our industry-changing A to Z documentary filmmaking program that will transform you into the documentary filmmaker that you've always wanted to be. Find out more at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. One of the bigger hurdles that we're often faced with as doc filmmakers is that of funding. You've heard me mention a number of times on the show that in the film communities, we doc filmmakers can often be the least funded, least connected in the film world. And yet we're, we're generally the ones who are in need of funding and networking the most. I, of course, I'm not immune to any of this in my own doc life. Sure, I might be better connected now than I've ever been, whether it be to you know other doc filmmakers, doc resources, doc industry people. And if I'm being completely honest, this show has certainly helped that. But in terms of current film funds, I'm in the same boat as many of you. Steph and I, we're badly in need of some more funding so that we may continue with post-production on our current project, Elvis of Cambodia. We're constantly trying to figure out creative ways to secure more funding so that we may continue on with our passion project. Now, this is not to say that we haven't been successful raising funds for our doc work over the years. Not at all. We've, we've done okay. We've secured multiple grants, held a number of fundraising events, run a couple of successful crowdfunding campaigns. We've approached businesses directly for donations or corporate sponsorships. We've been successful doing it in a number of different ways. But it is a seemingly constant battle, right? I'm not sure that will ever change unless we... I don't know, somehow win the lottery, which isn't likely since, well, I've certainly never purchased a lotto ticket in my life. But the game of raising funds for our films, it's something that will most likely always be a part of our doc lives. And it's most likely always going to be a substantial part of your own doc life. Which is why I'm excited to bring you today's episode of TDL. You see, later on in the program, I will have the pleasure of welcoming one of the more recognizable names in documentary funding to this show, Carol Lee Dean. You may know her as the founder of From the Heart Productions, which gives out annual awards every year to filmmakers via the Roy W. D. grant. Or you may know her as the author of one of my favorite books on the subject of film fundraising called The Art of Film Funding. You may also know her as the host of Blog Talk Radio's The Art of Film Funding podcast. Regardless of how you may or may not know of Carol, one thing is certain, you will be very happy to have heard her today. 
She's got a lot to say on the subject of funding your documentary film. Not only that, but as an added bonus, there is still time to apply for a Roy W. Dean grant. The deadline is April 30th, and we'll definitely be talking about that. But before we talk to Carolee Dean, when we come back from a quick break, as a primer to the show, I'm going to briefly discuss with you five common funding options for the documentary filmmaker. It should go rather nicely with today's episode, which is going to be all about helping you get some more funding for your film. That and more coming up next on The Documentary Life. There are a number of different types of funding options that are out there and available to us doc filmmakers, and I obviously won't be getting to even a majority of them, but but what I will briefly discuss here are probably five of the most common funding options that are today being employed by doc filmmakers. Feel free after this episode to share with me any additional funding options that you might like to add. Perhaps you've got something you know really creative or unique that you think might might also benefit other doc lifers out there. If so, we want to hear about it because then it, it'll allow me to share it with with other doc lifers either in a future episode or by posting up on the TDL community Facebook group. So be thinking about that as I go through my list of five. And then at the end of the segment, I'll remind you as well as give out an email address so that you may contact me. Okay, so let's go through these five common funding options for the documentary filmmaker. Okay, the first one that I'm going to mention to you is the individual donor. This could be a family member, a close friend or colleague, an old university professor, or or someone you don't know at all who you've either intentionally approached with your proposal or has found out about your film from from some other place or, or some other person. Whatever the case may be, the power of the individual donor, it should not be underestimated. Unlike any other avenue of funding that you'll hear about, nowhere do you have more of an opportunity to connect with someone directly, speak with them one-on-one, than through the approaching of an individual donor. In this scenario, you'll have the chance to speak directly to someone's sensibilities, their beliefs or causes, their philanthropic endeavors, their passions, you'll be able to speak to that in a very personal way. And depending on the person, you may be able to walk away with a donation that could very significantly impact your film. For instance, when we ran our Kickstarter for production of Elvis of Cambodia, we had one person whom we'd never met before, whom only knew about our project through the Kickstarter whose donation, it would actually make up 25% of the entire $20,000 that we'd raise for production. As you can imagine, that was pretty significant for us. So a key thing that I want you to remember here is that there are people out there who will want to get behind your film project. It's just a matter of finding that person. And remember, all it really does take is one person, right? So don't ever undervalue the importance of the individual donor. Number two, grants and foundations. One of the most well-known and sort of classic ways, right, for the doc filmmaker to raise funds for their doc, it's through the grants and foundations. But the thing is, it also can be one of the more daunting avenues in which to raise these funds, especially with the more well-known ones like the NEAs or the Sundance Documentary Fund Grants of the world. The competition can be fierce, so don't be scared to start more locally. 
investigate what the art commissions in your state or your province or your counties, what, what they might offer. Find out what's out there. And don't stop with the art commissions. Look into the businesses that may be connected to a subject of your film. Often they will have granting opportunities. Another one is go to your library and check out foundationcenter.org. That will give you a direct line to a comprehensive list of the types of foundations that might be able to help you with funding. Carolee Dean will actually talk a bit more about the value of a resource like foundationcenter.org. She'll talk a little bit more about that later on in the, in the program. But don't be intimidated by the grants and foundations funding world. Do your research. Build yourself as solid a proposal as possible. And by the way, I'd recommend starting with IDA's documentary core application. And I'll provide a link to this within the show notes for this episode. And once you had this proposal together, get out there and start applying for those grants. I'll also mention here that, that if you haven't already, you should most definitely check out our episode with professional grants and proposal writer, Joanna Raybigger. It was episode number 55, and Joanna's conversation was an amazingly insightful one for anyone looking to write up grant proposals for their film. One quick note of congratulations here that's kind of connected to this uh, goes out to Doc Lifer Aaron, who recently posted on the TDL community Facebook group that she was given a $15,000 check from an organization who she'd basically just informed of her documentary project about landmines in Laos. She informed them with an email and her proposal. And, and lo and behold, they wrote her a $15,000 check. It can happen like that, Doc Lifers. It really can. As with everything you do as a doc filmmaker, persistence and positivity is critical here. Number three on our list is businesses and corporations. Businesses and corporations will often have a specific branch for donations or granting opportunities. They're generally looking to give to a project, like a documentary film in this case, that may cater to their own consumers' interests or passions. This is especially the case if they see a potential for extending their consumer base or increasing revenue or their brand awareness. Documentary films have the potential for promoting a company pretty favorably. Companies like Marmot or Patagonia or Keen might be, well, pardon the pun, keen to align themselves with a documentary project that's strongly associated with something like the preservation of national parks or with outdoor appreciation in, in general. Of course, these are bigger companies and you shouldn't preclude smaller businesses who also might want to align themselves with you and your project. Although in these cases, the donations may be in goods or in-kind services rather than actual funds. Funding. However, as you'll see with something like the Roy W. Dean grant when we speak with Carol, a grant like this can have some very powerful in-kind services attached to it that can be every bit, if not more helpful, than actual cash to a doc filmmaker. Number four, surprise, surprise, is crowdfunding. Now, crowdfunding has probably been the hottest means for doc filmmakers to be raising funds for their films in, I don't know, the past six or seven years. Uh, it's no wonder. Not only is it a way to raise funds for one's film, but it's also a way to be building an audience for your film long before it's even made. Crowdfunding, uh, it creates, it can create superb awareness around your around your project and, of course, raise funds. It's, it's very powerful in this way. But it's an awful lot of work. 
If you think that you can simply put up a page on a Kickstarter or Indiegogo and the world will fund your film over the course of 30 days, then you've clearly missed the memo on running a crowdfunding campaign. Not to mention you 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 clearly haven't been listening to a damn thing I've been saying for, oh, I don't know, 68 episodes now. For anyone who hasn't been alive during the past decade, crowdfunding in its simplest terms, it's basically a resource where you set up an online platform either through your film's website or on an established crowdfunding site like a Kickstarter or a Seed and Spark, and you essentially pitch your project to the world with the intention of raising funds and awareness for your film. By asking for funds, you're asking a crowd of people to collectively go in on financially supporting your film. And nowadays, there are some some more interesting and, and applicable ones out there for doc filmmakers. It's not just a, a Kickstarter or Indiegogo world anymore at all. In fact, uh, one of the more really impressive ones out there for doc filmmakers now is Seed and Spark. And wouldn't you know it, but we're going to have founder of Seed and Spark, Emily Best, She'll be joining us here on TDL in just one week's time. So that will definitely be something to look forward to. The last thing that I'll mention here is that we recently ran a great blog post on the subject called Five Reasons For and Against Running a Crowdfunding Campaign. It's up on our website if you go to thedocumentarylife.com slash blog. Check that article out if you're thinking of running a campaign anytime soon. The final item that I'll mention here in terms of funding options are putting on fundraising events. It's a lot of work putting any kind of event on. Sure, absolutely, no doubt about it. And events may not be your thing, but when they're done right, they can be actually really fun. And you can directly connect with large amounts of people about your film, and you can make some cash for your film project. I've put on events where I auctioned off items that were donated by businesses. I've hosted dinner parties. I've put on uh, an an all-day concert event. I've held fundraising screenings. These are just a few examples of events that I've put together in order to raise awareness and funds for my films. But there are a zillion different types of events one can hold. Get creative and come up with something unique that people will want to be a part of. Also, just remember to be smart about the money that you spend putting on that event. Whatever you spend, it's going to diminish your returns from the actual fundraising. So so get people to volunteer their time. Get local restaurants to donate food and wine. Get lighting and sound rental houses to donate to the cause. Again, get creative here. Anything that you might need to purchase or rent, for instance, see if you can't get someone or some business to donate it to you. So those are five common funding options for the documentary filmmaker. I hope that these have perhaps sparked some ideas for you as you think about ways to raise monies for your film. And remember, if you'd like to see these written out, I'll post this list up in the show notes for this episode. Simply visit our website by going to thedocumentarylife.com. And again, if you yourself, if you've got a funding idea or a story that you might like to share with us about this, you can always email me at chris at barongfilms.com. And Barong Films is spelled B-A-R-A-N-G, barongfilms.com. There's also a contact form on our website. But, but you know, hey, as I mentioned earlier, I always love getting personal emails from you guys. So, so feel free to email me directly if that makes more sense. All right, next up, let's dive much, much deeper into the art of film funding when we return with our conversation with Carol Lee Dean.
Over the past decade, the world of documentary film promotion and distribution has changed dramatically. And what's awesome is, for the most part, is it highly benefits us independent doc filmmakers. However, we do recognize that navigating this new landscape of promotion and distribution can be a bit daunting when you're new to the task. Like, how do you make sense of the VODs and SVODs of the world? How do you find a distributor and sales agent that you can trust and who will work diligently to get your film out into the world? And what are they even looking for anyway? Or wait, maybe you should self-distribute your film. Maybe taking it out on a national tour is the right move for your film. But how would you even go about organizing such a thing? Is your film right for the potentially lucrative educational market? Or are community screenings the way to go? There are so many options available to you to get your film out to its market, but there are a lot of questions you probably have about how to do it, which is why we help you make sense of it all in our flagship program, the Documentary Academy. Inside the Academy, you will create a tailor-made, multifaceted, hybrid documentary film distribution strategy, one that's created based on your film and your film alone. You will have a strategic overview of how you will get your film out into the world and in front of the people who want to see it. Take control of your film distribution and enroll in the Documentary Academy at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. We'll see you there. I am joined today by Carol Lee Dean. You may recognize Carol Lee Dean's name from either her book, The Art of Film Funding, which has really become another one of those Bibles for documentary or independent filmmakers alike. Um, and Or you might know of her name attached with, with From the Heart Productions. And we'll get into all of this as we have our, our conversation with Carol. Carol, thank you so much for joining us today on The Documentary Life. Oh, this is great fun, Chris. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I know you from I know you from your spectacular book The Art of Film of Film Funding. I also know you of course from from the Heart from the Heart Productions, the Roy WD Grant um, as well as your own podcast. And we'll get into all of that, of course, shortly here. But first, what I'd love to hear a little bit about, Carol, is a little bit about your background. Y- you came from Texas, found your way to, to, to Southern California. Um, you're married to a cinematographer. You spent time around filmmaking, right? And, 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 and it was through this time and around sets that you came up with this, this pretty unique business idea at the time, in, in order to, uh, to help independent filmmakers. Tell us what that was about. Well, my husband worked as an assistant cameraman on various television shows. So I would get dressed up and get my hair fixed and go to the studio on Friday nights and watch <laughs> them while they were shooting, you yeah. know. And and they were unloading the big Mitchell cameras with thousand foot rolls. And then they would I would hear them say reloading. So I kept saying, what happens? Where does that film stock go? And what happens to it? Well, my husband said, well, we're not going to load that up the next day because you only make one mistake in this industry and you're gone. You know, again. <laughs> so uh, he said, we'll load all new reels tomorrow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what happens to that 200, 300 foot reel? He said, we just send it back to the camera department, let them worry with it. 
And so I said, you know what, I bet I could have a little business buying and selling those short ends, you know, just coming from Texas. I had that Texas accent. (laughs) He said, no, don't be silly. Nobody will ever buy a film that does not come in a sealed can from Kodak. So I kept begging. And finally he said, okay, very frugal Irish man. And he said, take $20 from the grocery money and see what you do. So the first thing I did was I went to Columbia Pictures because I knew there was a man there named Bill Wiedemeyer. And I said, how are you? I chatted him up about the film industry and everything. And then I said, now, I'm going to start a little business buying raw stock. And I wanted to know, would you sell me your film? And he showed me this film vault, giant vault full of raw stock. So we started talking about a price, and so he he thought probably that I was going to buy it that day. Well, of course, I, you know, I'd already used my little twenty dollars to typewriter and send out letters. So I said, no, um, I'm just here to verify a price because you know this is a new business. Anyway, I talked him into a very low price. Then I left and I went home and sent out my letters, and I found one animator named Vic, and he said he would buy 2,000 feet. Well, that was it. That was the best day of my life. Mm-hmm. So I ran back to Columbia. Now remember, many skirts were in at this time. I dressed up, looked terrific, and went in because I had to talk him into selling me 3,000 feet of film, you know, that at two cents a foot, that was a $60 check. And I had already taken up all of his time discussing this. But he, when he stopped laughing after what I asked was, he said, okay, okay. And he gave me the bra stock. I think he tore up the check and figured he'd never see me again. But I told him, I said, I'll be back and I'll buy every foot of film. And I did. I did. That was my first sale. I ran home. I cleaned the cans. I actually put Comet and got everything nice and shiny on the film cans, took it (laughs) to Vic. And I went home with a thousand feet of film for my inventory and profit. And I I was in business. You couldn't tell me I couldn't do this. Mm. I just knew. And I think, see, I'm a very big believer that your mind is your greatest asset in life, and particularly for filmmakers, because faith, I think faith funds films. Mm. And through the faith and the belief that I could make this business work, I did. If I had taken a business class, I probably would have done a business plan and said, oh, no, I can't do this because I'm in at least $100,000, you know? Sometimes not knowing is a blessing. And and at what point, Carol, does this become studio film and tape? Actually, it was, I was doing a really good job. So, and I went through this divorce and then I decided, okay, I'm on my own now. I really have to make this work. So I was operating out of a an apartment building which uh, didn't last long because all of these crazy filmmakers were coming in. And and this was the day of the nudies. 
right. I told <laughs> to duty filmmaker. So it wasn't long until they said, you have to stop this. And I went out and rented a building. Now, this is when I really was started my blessing uh, mm. business. And uh, so that's when Studio Film was really born. I think when I took my first lease and signed it, knowing I'd be there for years, and I was, and uh, I just felt that Studio Film and Tape would be a wonderful business because it gave filmmakers an inexpensive way to buy raw stock. Because Chris, and at that time, that was the big thing. You really couldn't make a film if you couldn't buy the raw stock. Yeah, exactly. If you could, why don't you segue us into how From the Heart Productions started to come about? Actually, I, uh, I was on a trip to India, and I got into the Sai Baba ashram. Uh. And and you know they they would throw these sticks and read the sticks and you could get whatever you could be the first person in line or the last person but through this these sticks you got first row or last row seats and I ended up on the first row and oh my gosh Chris when he walked around he came out of his building and I was sitting only 20 feet from him and my heart just exploded wow. with love it was fabulous. Mm-hmm. So he told me to go home and create a nonprofit and call it From the Heart Productions. And, um, and I did just that. And my team said, uh, what's this for? And I said, I have no idea. But uh, let's just say we want to do educational films to empower women. And that's, that was on our very beginning application for the nonprofit. But we didn't know what we were going to do, and that came later. Yeah. I have to tell you that I had a lot of fun. I got the entire U.S. distribution for Fujifilm for their 35 and 16 millimeter films. And that right. we started the student discount. Kodak never had that. Oh. And I told giving me that 15% and within 24 hours of my marketing the student discount Kodak followed immediately wow wow amazing yeah and then we started recycling videotape I bought this machine that evaluated tape and then I began to ask some friends of mine who were engineers why can't we make this better and we did we kept uh, reinventing that machine until we ran the largest recycling company in the United States. We <laughs> video it and recycled it. We would uh, evaluate it and, and then resell it. And I even bought film from England, from BBC. Oh, wow. Because they never cared about money. You know, they would sell something. They'd use it three times. Good, bad, or indifferent, they yeah. would sell. So I sold that to U.S. TV stations. Quite the entrepreneur story at very early on. It's amazing. And I think that that's a bit of certainly what you impart about your own story early on in the book, The Art of Film Funding. And um, and it, it really kind of lends itself to what you would be doing with From the Heart Productions and really encouraging independent filmmakers to begin to begin doing in their own lives. And that's, that's part of the inspiration to what you, you guys do with From the Heart Productions. So... 
tell us, tell us, Carol, when, at what point did From the Heart Productions really become become an entity where whereby you know the fiscal sponsorship becomes a thing, um, the intentional filmmaking class, and then of course the afore, uh, the aforementioned Roy W. Dean Grant. When did that really get uh, get really get full steam ahead? Well, I was running From the Heart when I had uh, the studio film and tape company, so yeah. I had over 100 employees and three offices, New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. So I didn't, I wasn't totally involved in the grant. I had someone running it for mm. me. Mm. And I sold my business 2001 to David Cohen, lovely man, and uh, who took very good care of our filmmakers. And, and I was looking for something to do with the rest of my life. So I started, um, this woman, uh, decided to become the executive producer and raise money for me. I wanted to do a, a doc on organic, organic food. What is it? You determine that. And Chris, it was like a year was gone. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm still researching. And she, <laughs> she's raising money. She has money in the bank. The guy quits who's running the grant. I have to take it over. And then I realized... If I put my time into From the Heart and I give three grants a year, gosh, look what we could do. Yeah. Where yeah. It might take me 10 years to get this film made. Oh, wow. So I called her and said, you know what? I, <laughs> I quit. I'm not going <laughs> to this film. And she said, oh, my God, I have all this money. Good. I said, you'll find another producer, somebody else will do this film, and they did. There's a great film on that, but I'm going to put my time and attention into From the Heart because I think we can do a lot of good. That was the real beginning. That's in 2001. Yeah. Uh, 2003 and four is when I really decided that's where this is where I'm going to put my time and attention. <laughs> so amazing! It's a, you. You made a very sort of um, a very conscientious decision to help other people out, and I, I I might suggest that perhaps that couldn't have even happened if not for for you having that experience working on another documentary film to begin with. Right. Right. I oh, it gave me such an insight into. The work and the knowledge and uh, the stress uh, that filmmakers are under all the time. It's amazing how they finish a film. It's wonderful when you see a finished film. You really want to celebrate. Yeah, right. <laughs> here, here. <laughs> I love it. The Roy W. Dean Grant, which you, which uh, you know, we we mentioned here just a moment ago. Uh, it happens three times a year. Why don't you um, paint a picture for us? Because there's a lovely sort of story behind this. Of course, it's it's with your father. Tell us who Roy W. Dean was, and then and then how you ended up deciding. To um to to build out this grant in his honor. Well, um, that's a great story. First of all, you know this is the uh, we were running a studio film and tape in, in an era where computers didn't do the inventory. We always did every month inventories by hand, and uh, and we were always off. And my father was great with mathematics. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I have to back up here and say that he had retired yeah. working in the Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, and I asked him to come out to California and help me run this film business, and he did. Now, 
he could he didn't have to work, but he loved it. He could have had any job in the office, but he wanted to work over the counter waiting on filmmakers. <laughs> and Chris, what he would do is that films makers, it didn't matter if you bought a hundred foot roll of yeah. sixteen or fifty thousand feet of thirty five, Dad would say, Tell me about your film. Well, <laughs> Know what that means to a filmmaker? <laughs> Have you got an hour? <laughs> Sage, right? And he loved every minute of it. He was a good listener, yeah. and and thank heaven he taught me how to listen because this is the key to working with filmmakers. We we have to be good listeners because they have they are our storytellers, and they need us as feedback. So Dad was beloved and. When we would go to the SIMTI, the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers, they always had these balls every year. Well, Dad and I would go, and and the last one I was standing there watching, there were five Kodak guys lined up to talk to him. (laughs) Because he knew what uh, the kids or the young people loved about Kodak and what they didn't like and where the problems were. So we had this wonderful relationship, Dad and I, but I knew that that there was stuff missing. And one time we were short 10,000 feet and 16 millimeters. So, and he's a very religious man, you know. So I said, what? Where is this, Dad? It's in a box somewhere. You just forgot to count it. And he said, no, I didn't forget to count it. That film is on location right now. Oh, my God. I said, what do you mean? Where's the paperwork? Well, he said, I I had to give it to this filmmaker because it's his thesis film. He can't graduate, Carol. <laughs> I, I was shocked. So, because I'm on the money side, you know. Of collect- course, this is a business you're running here. Yes. And so, anyway, that was my first inkling that, that something strange was going on here. But, uh, you know, I think Dad went from Keep the Faith to helping those who help themselves yeah. as, as his tenant, so that when he died, and this is in 1992, yeah. and this is right after I've come back from India, started uh, yeah. the nonprofit, I started getting cards and, and phone calls from people saying, your father had me go to Paramount and buy Rostock because he put in a call to Dick Barlow and said, I want you to buy some, uh, sell them some 35 millimeter stock or give it to them. And then they're going to come sell it to me. And then they're going to use that money to buy 16 and make a film. He had all of these things, the shenanigans going on oh, wow. to fund filmmakers. And uh, I didn't know all this was going on. So I didn't, ca- I didn't get the idea. I will have to say to you, I didn't get the idea at that time. Mm. Um, About, oh, four or five months after he died, I woke up one morning with the idea of um, the Roy Dean film grant. And it was so clearly outlined what to do. And I said, no, I'm not going to do this. This is so much work. And you want me to go out on the street and start asking for donations Mm. and How can I do that and run a business? And Mm. no, I'm not doing this. And the same day, I went to lunch with my uh, publicist. He was my PR man. And he said, you'll never believe what I woke up with this morning. And I said, okay, tell me. I thought, don't do it, don't do it. He said the same thing. 
you have to start the Roy Dean Film Grant. Wow. So, okay, I've heard it twice. I'm a believer. Um, I said, but I really don't know how to do it. And he said, but I bet you, because you're always being pitched for Rostock, someone has asked you for film. Hmm. Yes, I said, there's this young kid, Bart Hawkins, who wants to go live on the Hopi Reservation for three months, and he wants me to give him $3,500 and 16 millimeter Rostock. And he said, do it. That's your first grant. Hmm. And then we have a year, he said, to figure out the rest. And in the meantime, uh, we'll get a hold of Robert Townsend because he bought his Rostock from you when when he made his films. Mm. And we'll ask him to help us. And he did. Uh, He was wonderful. He would come to the grant nights when we would have, we used to have the five finalists pitch their films at uh, screenwriters, uh, or no, at the Director's Guild. And Robert would come and, I said, Robert, you don't have to get there till 8 o'clock because we won't know who the winner is mm-hmm. till then. And he would say, I don't care, Carla. I want to be there for the beginning. Oh, wow. and, and I would say, okay, we'll send you a limo. No, he says, I'll drive my own car. You've got to be kidding. Save your money. So we we were off and running with the grant in, uh, in those years. We just had uh, so many wonderful people applying. But I have to tell you that the first year that – I did. That would be 93 when I put the paperwork out for the application. We had to do it in the mail. Right, right. We had like 10 applications by the day before the deadline. Mm -hmm. They had to come by mail. So I said, well, you know, this this isn't going to work. I don't know what I did wrong. So the next day was two days after the termination or the deadline. And my assistant called to say, you'll never believe what happened. The post office came to us and they brought in four boxes of applications. Amazing. That's when I learned that filmmakers wait to the last minute. (laughs) Right. So were they postmarked correctly or not? All postmarked on time, probably midnight, you know. But they got them on time, and uh, and it was that was then I realized, okay, they love what we're doing. We just have to be, we have to find the right films, and and I really believe, see, that we uh, we are creating filmmakers hmm. more than films because Leibowitz, Barbara Leibowitz, won the first one of our first grants. Okay, and <clears throat> she was there the next day to pick up her Rostock, because by now I, I was giving three or $4,000 in Rostock, and I had cameras and lighting, and yes, I went out on the street and I did beg for money. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't get so much money, but I got uh, goods and services. Yes, right, in-kind, right, right. Right, that was easy. So I know how hard it is for filmmakers to raise money. Uh, because sometimes, you know, I, I will want a camera and you have to go to five camera stores before you hit someone that really has a heart and mm. will say, yeah, I'll give you a 40% discount or something. So by then, she was she won the grant and that was her first film. And of course, now she has her own production company. She married her cameraman and they have two lovely children and, <laughs> and they're doing really well. Yeah. Cool. Now. You you give out for clarification. You give out uh, three awards a year. Is that correct? Yes. 
Okay. And the amount is what is the what is the amount that's given out each time period? It's thirty five hundred in cash and about twenty five thousand in goods and services. Yeah. And can you list out some of those goods and services for us, Carol? Right. Well, it's music. We have two great music composers that work with us, uh, and they give their music composing free. You pay for the recording studio. Yeah. Uh, we have Burns and Sawyer gives a great discount on cameras. Uh, we have a gentleman in Canada who gives us caption, closed caption, at exceptionally. He gives it free to the winners, and then he gives it at a very good discount to all of our physically sponsored people. Wow, okay. And... Um, Websites, uh, we just, I try to find, oh, it's sound. I have some great uh, sound donors, lawyers. Well, you've got to have your lawyers. Oh, so man, yeah. We have three lawyers, one for each grant, and they're all tops. It's Corky Kessler and uh, Bob Siegel in New York and Jeez. Mark Wack in L.A. So it's, it's contacts. Hollywood runs on who you know mm. and New York. And, of course, I had offices at both places, so I know how they work. And what we give you is a small amount of cash, but a lot of good contacts with discounts. And then it's up to the producer to take what they've been given and get even more or make yeah, it work. Yeah, right, right. I mean, you're, you're, opening, you're kind of opening the door for the filmmaker in many ways other than simply a cash award. And that's kind of the beauty, for, beauty of this is that there's, yes, there's a little bit of a sum of cash award, but through the larger sum of services and goods, from there you can build these contacts with the people who are offering, offering these goods and services. That's incredibly valuable, I would imagine. And you have a deadline coming up, do you not? Yes, uh, April the 30th. Uh, is the deadline and it, everything you need is online the application the list of goods and services and the and actually we've done some videos on what we're looking for okay. I take you through the grant application tell you exactly what all the questions mean and what we'd like you to give us but the key the key thing about our grant and all grants is three things it's story 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 mm. what is the story what are we going to see in your film so and actually looking at prior winners is a great way to know more about from the heart so did, did we, i see on, on your list of awards uh, recipients do you remember a, a i believe a documentary film by the name of stolen Oh, yes. I love that. And, and was that Rebecca Dreyfus's film? Rebecca, she's brilliant. Yeah. We've had Rebecca on the program talking about her film On Meditation. Oh, I didn't know she did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had her, we had her on, I guess, probably about not quite a half a year ago. And uh, it was a great conversation. And I, and I thought that I had seen that. I thought, I think that's stolen, the one that Rebecca did. So I, I was very happy to see that. Oh, yes, you know, um, my judges, I'll remember this. They said, we have to fund this because nobody else is going to. Mm. Mm. And they, because, it, you know, it was a small niche market, but it was also an important historical document. Oh, yeah. And, uh, she is a brilliant filmmaker. Have you seen that film? I have, I have. And in fact, uh, 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 I think it was Albert Mazel's was her camera op on that, was her yes. DP. Yeah. Yes, he was so great. <laughs> yeah, she talked quite a bit about that. 
Now, can Carol, would you mind shedding some light on, on your process of selection? Is it a team of people? Um, and how much are you personally, Carol, Carol involved in the, in the, uh, the grant, um, the grant selection process? A lot. Okay. I spent a lot of time on this, and so does my daughter, Carol Joyce, and my granddaughter, Eliza. Oh, wow. Excellent. Three three generations of women here were all working on this. So, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's great. So we see, I review every application, and I okay. see maybe 90% of the trailers, and uh, you have to do that. We're looking for stories and things that are unique and make a contribution to society. And this is the hardest thing I do because, you know, when a lot of times their film is just great, but it's not developed enough. And then the word developed means so many things. It's really hard to explain sometimes, but we do our best because everyone who applies gets a free consultation. Okay, right. And that's important. Yeah, the 15-minute consultation. Yeah, because if you if you want to fund your film by any any means possible, you really need to get as much feedback on your applications as you can. So we help you in case you want to come back to our grant, which we highly recommend. Like, you know, several of our winners have applied more than once. What happens is they come in, they've got a great idea, but it's not far enough along. And yes. they, they come back the next year, it's more developed. And like when Lewis won for his film Stranger at Home this year, or in 2017, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hung up the phone with the judges and called my daughter and said, Lewis won. And she said, well, it's about time. <laughs> because she knew him. She knew the film. We, we've seen it. For three years we know the work he's done and it was very it was easy but we don't pick the winners no one that works here picks the winners it's only uh, document filmmakers okay okay so what we do the three of us is we go through everything and we put our notes down for the consultations yeah. and then um we have to decide what what we think is the top 50 films and this is really hard. Oh, boy, but yeah. We do. We do our best. And then we call in outside judges. And they pick the top 20. And then the second top 20 we call the hot films in the making. Uh, because, again, they're really great, but they may need more development. And so we put these 20 hot films online so that the filmmakers get the marketing. And they can say they came into the grant in the top 40. Okay. Which is good for them, and they're on our platform for a year. Now, the top 20 go to another set of judges, and they choose the top five. Mm. And those go to judges that have been with me for many, many years. These are all our filmmakers, again, documentary filmmakers. Um, I don't think you can use anybody else because nobody understands. Uh, I mean, feature filmmakers also understand, but I think documentary filmmakers are very good judges of both docs, shorts, and now we take webisodes. And now let me ask you this. Each step of the way, are you informing the filmmaker that they've, that they've sort of made it to that next stage, or is that kept quiet? No, we do that. Wow, First okay. of all, uh, we, we go through the grant applications, and we 
will notify maybe 20 or 30 people at a time that you did not win, but set your appointment for your consultation. And then uh, we, once we've chosen the top 20 and the hot films, we let them know and they give us the information to put online so that we can promote their films. And then as they they go from 20 to 10 to 5, I let the makers know. Okay, great. And sort of, okay, so that's the Roy W. Dean Film Grant. Now, you've been, of course, around doc filmmakers for many, many years. Um, you've been... You have an intimate knowledge of how the grant, uh, the grant making and the grant application process happens. And a lot of that obviously is detailed in your book, The Art of Film Funding. And so what I'd love to hear now, if you wouldn't mind, uh, Carol, I'd love to hear some, maybe if you could share some tips for finding, um, well, just share some general tips around the grant application process or, or finding grant foundations that are out there. And I would start by asking, um, you know, and I, I and this was a tip. This was a tip that was particularly helpful to me in, in my journey um, with doc filmmaking, um, which was you recommended uh, that it's a really good idea to be contacting some of these either grant officers or someone from the grant um, the granting organization, contacting them directly early on and asking and starting starting a dialogue by asking questions. Amen. This is absolutely right. Uh, you have to make a contact. And I love it when people do that to me because I know they read my book, yeah, right. you know. <laughs> and so here's here's the thing. It's the person behind the paper. Mm. Who's that person? This is what we want to know. And mm. a lot of times, Carol and I will um, make it a point to call up these people who, whose applications we have in front of us to talk to them, to listen to their passion. <laughs> passion is what you need. You need that passion in your proposal, but you've got to have it when you're pitching your film. Yeah, right. We want to know who you are and why you're making this film. And all of these things are very important to us. So, I'm sorry, what's the question? No, I mean, it's it's more, Carol, really, it was just about, you know, I'm one of the, the, the valuable things that I learned very quickly in, in reading your book was, and I used it in, in my own doc films and my grant application process, was this idea of contacting someone from the organization early on and having a dialogue with them and then continuing it um, even, and this is a really interesting point, even if you don't um, end up making the cut, if you will, continuing a conversation with them throughout the next time when the cycle comes back up. What are some of those ways that we continue that contact? Okay, this is really important because this is what Lewis did. This is what uh, several of the filmmakers who won did. They, uh, they talk to us, they get their consultation, and then they stay in contact afterwards by giving me updates throughout the year. Oh, yeah. we just, uh, we put this new person on and they're our new assistant, so I want to introduce you to my new assistant. We have done a great interview with so-and-so. The film is now taking off. Here's a new story point. I love that. So uh, staying in touch is important, but that first contact is also very important. And I, I really think it's difficult sometimes to reach the person 
that does the funding. But getting to that person is of great benefit to you because they get to hear and feel who you are and know why you're making the film and how important it is to you. Those are the things that you really need to know as a funder. What is the market? Who are the people? How are you going to get it to the people? I'm sorry to say, but you really need to know that now. It's not just the story. You also have to know that you can market the film yourself. And that's really what got me started with all of the podcasts, because who is your audience? How do you find your audience? I need you to tell me when you call me to pitch me your film that you have an idea of who your audience is Mm. early on because that's where your money is. The money is in the hands of the people who will be interested in the subject matter of your film. So how to find those. And I recommend most people go to um, the foundationcenter.org to find good grants and that they take the classes offered by them to learn how to use their giant servers, right? Because they're so powerful, you can find so many great grants there. And sometimes for filmmakers, starting off with smaller grants, family grants like ours, is the best thing to do. Mm. Particularly, Chris, when you can get feedback and when you can improve your project and then keep moving forward. Uh, The whole thing with documentary filmmakers is you just have to keep moving. Persistence, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Do you have a sense of how many people, and we'll use doc filmmakers here um, for this question, do you have a sense um, how many doc filmmakers either are aware of foundationcenter.org or are actually using it? I find that maybe 20%, 30% know about it. I think that's incredibly small. Mm. And would you say that that percentage are some of the people that are having some of the more success finding the right places for their grant applications? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The book is The Art of Film Funding by Carol Lee Dean. It is currently, the second edition is the <laughs> latest edition. I truly can't recommend it highly enough. You know, Carol, we had on filmmaker and author Michael Rabiger. We had him on the program earlier this year, and, and he's kind of written uh, written the veritable Bible for doc filmmakers. It's called Directing the Documentary. I would argue that your book, The Art of Film Film Funding, perhaps it's the New Testament, if you will, for the doc filmmaker. It's 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 a book that every doc filmmaker should own. Certainly any doc filmmaker looking to raise funds for their film. Um, can you give us an idea of some of the other major topics that are covered in this book? Thank you for the compliment. I sincerely appreciate that. Well, I, I wanted a the filmmakers to have one book with as much in it as possible. Mm. So um, I've, and my three tenets for film funding, uh, the perfect pitch is in the book, the proposal, the outline for a good documentary proposal, the trailer for your doc, all of those, those are your funding things. That's your foundation. And I've also included the power of your mind because how you think and how you act is what you need to attract success. And I've gone over manifesting and all the things that are very important to you. Example, I highly recommend daydreaming. I think daydreaming is a key factor. As long as you're visualizing the completion of your film and the success 
from the awards you're winning, you go right to the end result. You see your film in a screening room, Raleigh Studios, someplace great, and it's a packed house and standing ovation. You're an award-winning filmmaker, and you keep this focus with you on a daily basis so that you are constantly attracting the right people to help you make the film and fund the film. Mm -hmm. That's in there. I also have a chapter in the book by Tom Malloy about closing the deal. Now, he, he's a serious filmmaker. He's made maybe 10 or 12 films. At, but any, and even though he's making mostly features, you still need to know how to close deals right. for documentary. Yeah. So it's, I think there's a major crossover that we need to learn from. Each side needs to learn from the other, the doc and the feature side. Yeah. But I have a uh, crowdfunding by Danae, the co-founder of Indiegogo, and brilliant Peter Broderick. Yeah, yeah. I think Maury Warshawski's in your book as well. He's there, and Maureen Ryan let me take a chapter of her excellent book, Producer to Producer, on music rights, because it's so complicated, you, you need an outline for that. And then I have uh, three uh, attorneys giving you guidance, Norman Burns on budgets and Karki Kessler on chain of title, yeah. Michael Dixon for fair use. I put it all together so you've got one book with everything you need, hopefully. And we're going to go ahead and, and I'll put a direct link to this book up in the show notes for this episode. And of course, we will include links to like the foundationcenter.org. Uh, the Roy W. Dean Film Grant from the Hart Productions. A lot of that um, information will be will also be accessed within the show notes for this episode. That way, um, listeners can directly go to a lot of what we've discussed here uh, on the program. Before we go, Carol, uh, I would be remiss not to mention that you have your own podcast, the Art of Film Funding Podcast. Tell us how the podcast came to be, Carol. Well, things change so fast in the industry that after I published the second edition, I thought, well, how am I going to keep everybody abreast of the changes? Oh, and right. and my uh, my other daughter and uh, adopted daughter in Texas said, let's do a podcast. And she's, <laughs> she got me into it. And I love it because just when you think you know what's going on, you don't know because this industry changes overnight. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh, just this last week, I talked to uh, Vicki Abelis, who was an attorney, yeah. and she found her children getting overstressed through the No Child Left Behind law. So she moved into filmmaking, and she's done a stupendous job in teaching us how to reach our outreach audience. She screened her film at over a thousand community wow. centers. So how did she do that? See, we, we need to know from her and not take the time for her to write a book and get it out to us. We want to know what, what's going on now. I love your podcast. I've li- listened to many, many episodes. And in fact, we've probably had some, some, uh, some common people on both of our podcasts. I know that Joanna Raybigger was, has been on, on both of our podcasts. And, and she's a wonderful woman to talk actually about grant writing and grant proposals. Um, the, the podcast is The Art of Film Funding. What, I'll, again, I'll put a link up to this on, on our show notes. But uh, what are some ways that we can find the podcast, Carol? It's under a blogtalkradio.com. Yeah. 
And it's uh, The Art of Film Funding. Excellent. It's the title of the book is the name of the blog talk show. Carol, this has been a tremendous conversation. I could speak with you for hours <laughs> and learn so much. And there's so much that 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 my listeners could could uh, could garner from your wonderful words of wisdom, and uh, and really your journey with 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 independent filmmaking. And that includes a lot of documentary in there. And it's it's just lovely. Uh, is there anything, Carol, that you might like to add to our doc filmmaking listeners? The power of your mind is your greatest asset. Knowing and believing in yourself and your film is paramount to funding and finishing your film. It's a day-to-day proposition. You need to set your goals, reasonable, achievable goals, have them written out, put them on the mirror. When you brush your teeth in the morning, you see it. Bed at night, you see it and you say it out loud and you read it to the universe and you pretend it's already happened. It's a fait accompli. You have finished your film, you are successful, and it's up to the universe to bring that to you because your conscious mind is the one that is the creative mind. The subconscious believes what the conscious tells it. So if your conscious mind tells the subconscious you have a completed film, that is what the subconscious believes, and that is what you want. You want that completion feeling, the feeling of power, success, and completion. So use your mind to fund your film. It's your greatest asset. Carol, what a pleasure it's been. Thank you so much for being on The Documentary Life. Chris, how kind of you. I'm looking forward to you coming on our blog talk show in the future and what fun we'll have. I can't wait. It's going to be a rocking good time. (laughs) Carol, you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Hey, best of luck to you, Chris. Hey, can I ask a quick favor? If you found this podcast helpful in living your doc life or making your doc film, will you help us share it with more people by giving us a stellar review on whichever platform you use to listen to this podcast? We'd really appreciate it. And you'll be helping the doc filmmaking community find us. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.